Oh, amen. Thank you for that. And I tell you, uh, I was doubly blessed in listening to the theology and to the musicality of that song, but also uh, to the history of that song, uh, written by, uh, composed by Ron Hamilton, alias Patch the Pirate, who just went home to be with the Lord. And Kathy and I were discussing this uh, principle. I told you that it was Enoch. It wasn't Enoch. It was Abel in Hebrews 11, 3 or 4, verse 3 or 4, said, Abel, though dead, yet speaks. In other words, his works follow. And don't you want to have that kind of legacy, that kind of influence, that when you are already home with the Lord, you're still producing fruit? Be like the, uh, the farmer who, uh, who planted a, a huge field of uh, thousands of acres of grain, went home to be with the Lord, and that fall, uh, lots and lots and lots of folks were fed. Though gone, his works do follow, and that's the case for Ron Hamilton. We're preaching through the book of Philippians. If you'd make your way to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, finishing chapter 2, we'll be halfway through the book at that point. And this book supplements our thematic year of being members one of another for the book of Philippians is the most intimate, the most personal, uh, personal of all, of, well, maybe other than Philemon, of Paul's writings. He loved the Philippians, and it came out in lots of ways. In our last study, in chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, we looked at the means and the ends of spiritual transformation and learn that God has a goal for His people, that is to be more and more conformed to the character of Christ, and He has the means to do it, namely, faithful obedience to Him. So today, we close out chapter 2 of the book of Philippians uh, with a message that I've titled, Partners in Ministry, chapter 2, verses 19 through the end of the chapter, verse 30. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you, that I may, may, that I may also be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. But you know the proof of him that as a son with the Father he hath served with me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently, as soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my need. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because you had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick, near unto death, but God had mercy on him. And not on him only, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I send him, therefore, the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and that I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation. Because for the work of Christ he was near unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. Partners in ministry. There have been many partners in history 
in whom the combined strengths of each exceeded the strength of either one individually. In other words, the whole was greater than the sum of the parts. Listen to these partners in history. Uh, if they were to work alone, there wouldn't, we wouldn't know of these names. We wouldn't think anything about them. Can you imagine Lenin without McCartney? <laughs> there wouldn't be. How about, how about uh, Tom without Jerry? <laughs> you got to have them both. How about Frodo Baggins without Samwise Gamgee? Now that would be a train wreck. You have to have both of them. Abbott and Costello. Lucy and Ethel. <laughs> Got some splaining to do, Lucy. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson, yeah, Watson, Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock. Romeo and Juliet. Children, Bert and Ernie. Is Bert and Ernie still a thing? It's probably for you millennials, you probably know about that. Uh, Batman and Robin. Laverne and Shirley. Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> there are also some partners in Scripture who without the other would not have made near the impact they made as we see recorded in the Word of God. Moses and Aaron. David and Jonathan. Mary and Joseph. The other Mary and Martha. Um, Priscilla and Aquila. James and John. Well, today we look at two partners in ministry uh, and the, of the Apostle Paul. And the premise of this passage, and I believe of this message, is that we need each other in the body of Christ. Paul was under house arrest. He wasn't going anywhere. All of the Roman legion was at the disposal of Caesar to keep Paul under house arrest. Now, it was kind of loose. He could receive guests that come and go, but, but he wasn't free. He, he wasn't liberated. He wasn't emancipated. He was to stay there, and he needed folks to help him, to bring him money, to bring him food, to help him out, to send letters, to be couriers. He had to have partners in ministry, and we need that as well. <clears throat> Truly, being members one of another, our theme this year, we need each other if we're going to be strong in the Lord. I like what uh, commentator Robert Swift wrote. In this epistle, every single reference Paul makes to another person is made in connection with that person's koinonia, which is the Greek word which is translated fellowship, typically. It means partnership in the gospel. Timothy and Epaphroditus, except for Paul himself, stand as the most prominent of these, at least in the book of Philippians. They're the most prominent. And you know, you all know how many times that I have uh, commented about a little baby girl's name that I sure hoped uh, in my lifetime, I still have a little bit of time left maybe, that I sure hope uh, that we, uh, we have in this church. What's her name? Liberty what? Liberty Joy. It just, it just sounds right, doesn't it? How about, a, how about a little boy being named Timothy Epaphroditus? Let's start thinking and praying about that as well. Because these are heroes of the faith. That's only a little bit tongue-in-cheek. I'm actually serious. They are heroes of the faith, these two are. And they were to the Apostle Paul. They were partners in ministry with Paul. He needed them. First of all, let's take the first one mentioned. In verses 19 through 24, Timothy, a superior 
servant. He had superior servanthood. Well-known servant of the Lord was Timothy. Later, he ended up pastoring the, the, uh, the, the first church of Ephesus. I mean, it was the, uh, it was the uh, primary, if you will, uh, the uh, uh, most significant church uh, in that uh, part of the world in the first century, and he was the pastor. He came to know the Lord through the Apostle Paul, through the Holy Scriptures who were shared uh, with him by his uh, grandmother and his mom, and then ultimately by the Apostle Paul. In fact, the Apostle Paul called him his own son in the faith. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, it says in 2 Timothy 1, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy, my dearly beloved son, I thank God whom I serve for my fathers with a pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers day and night, greatly desired to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unfeigned, the genuine faith that's in thee, which was in Grandma Lois, which was in Mom Eunice, and I'm persuaded that is in you. The Apostle Paul had great love, great affection, and great dependence as a partner upon young Timothy, one much younger than he in age, younger in the faith, yet a superior servant of the Lord, to the degree that if you'll notice in our text, in verse 20, the Apostle Paul said, there isn't anyone like-minded as you, uh, as Timothy, who will naturally care for you um, as this one will. The word there, like-minded, is soul oneness. Just like a husband and a wife are to be growing in soul oneness over the years, that's what Paul said was the case with Timothy. He has soul oneness with you. You all are on the same page. You believe the same things. You have the same heartbeat. You have the same passions. He is one with you. And it was for that reason that Paul wanted to send Timothy to the church at Philippi to give them a firsthand report on how Paul was doing as well as Timothy report back on the health of the church at Philippi. Now, what does that say? that says that Paul trusted him. And folks, um, trust is the foundation of every relationship. Any relationship, any any significant relationship, I have to trust you. I mean, to some degree, um, uh, the relationship that you have with the pilot of a plane is based on trust. You don't know this person, you've never met this person, but you trust the credentials, the experience, the knowledge, and the know-how, therefore you get on the plane. Well, Take that uh, a rudimentary example of trust and then take an ex- and, and go to the other uh, extreme. And when you say, I do to that one, you are basically saying, I am entrusting myself to you as a lifetime marriage partner. Well, Paul said that, that Timothy was, had that kind of trustworthiness and Paul commented on it. What a commentary. Young people, if you can build anything in your life, make sure Above all other things, you are trustworthy. Your integrity is um, unsaleable. That is, let your yea be yea, let your nay be nay. Don't be wishy-washy up and down all over the place, because old folks like me, frankly, don't have a lot of use for that. But if you will do what you say you'll do, uh, 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 be dependable, have integrity, be trustworthy, you'll have the likes of the Apostle Paul saying, there isn't anyone like this guy. And Paul said that about Timothy. Uh, What a superior servant. In fact, Paul praised his superior servant in Romans 16, 21. 
in saying that Timothy was his co-laborer. We are partners together in this work. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 17, Paul wrote, Timothy, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord. Uh, that's how he described it. And now you'll notice in verse 21, I want to, do, uh, I want to give service to, to the text as well, uh, not, not just rave about the, the biography of Timothy, but you notice in verse 21, it says, uh, Timothy, I, I don't, I, no one else is like you. You are of one soul with me and with the Philippians. Um, and then he says, for all, that is the rest of the Romans, seek, uh, not, or, or, um, seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Now, I thought, at first blush, at first blush, does that sound positive or negative, that commentary? Negative. It sounds like Paul is saying, all of those, all these other folks, all these other leaders here in Rome, they're not worth anything. They are self-serving. But then I, I heard one commentary, I thought, oh, that arrested my attention. He says, this isn't a negative comment at all. It's simply saying that everyone else in Rome is disposed to do this ministry or this ministry or this ministry. They, they, don't, they have their own thing going on, and you have this going on. Now, I don't know which one is accurate. In fact, uh, of the two, I lean a little bit more toward the negative because look at chapter 1, if you would. Look at chapter 1 and verse 15. Look at chapter 1 in verse 15, Paul's commentary on the leaders at Rome. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, some also of goodwill. The one preaches Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in that I do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. So it looks like in the very same book, he is saying there are absolutely uh, some, some false leaders. There, there are some uh, people who are only in it for whatever uh, they can get out of it. And folks, there are, folks in the, there are people in the ministry like that. Hello? There are people, uh, there are pastors in church, there are missionaries, there are uh, TV uh, preachers, there are radio preachers who are in it for self. Now, we don't, all, we don't always know that at the moment, but a lot of times it'll come out after the fact. And so the Apostle Paul is saying something that we have seen in our own day. But there are also those who do minister out of love and who are genuine. And so, what was his comment in chapter 2 about no one else, um, at least no one else who was available to him could be trusted like Timothy? Now, I want to have that kind of testimony. I want to have the testimony with my wife, with my children, with my friends, with, uh, with my fellow churchmen, with my neighbors, that Vic is going to do what he says, and he means what he says. He's not going to, uh, he's not going to double-cross me. He's not going to shortchange me or anything like You want that testimony, don't you? Amen? That's what Timothy had. I don't have anyone else. I can entrust Various assignments while I am incapacitated under house arrest, like uh, I do with Timothy. You know, when, when I had my uh, Achilles tendon surgery six months ago, had an idea uh, that we would go through the book of, jo- uh, book of Jonah. And let's see, 
Jacob, you pre preached a message, didn't you? Ken preached a message. Larry Spry preached a message. Who else preached a message? Who did? Oh, yeah, Paul Williamson preached a message. I am, that I know of, with God as my witness, I've never been jealous of the pulpit. I want those who fill the pulpit to hit it out of the park for the glory of God. Because I'm going to be benefited. I'm going to be jazzed by their preaching. But I am very protective of the pulpit. Not jealous of it, but very... It's not going to be just anyone who can preach here. In fact, it's going to be very, very, very few. Precious few that I would give endorsement to say, yes, fill the pulpit. Because it matters that he must be proven to be trustworthy. Which is, you're never to call a novice. You're never to call a brand new believer to partner with you in the ministry, in the pastoral ministry in that sense. And so, Timothy was that that one what a glorious partnership he had what a glorious partnership team were paul and timothy harry ironside great commentator commented that youth as was timothy is often exceedingly energetic and impatient of restraint you know one time when i was in my 20s i bought a house without telling my wife <laughs> Stephen, you're a, you've been married eight days. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, young guys can be impatient, not have restraint. Age is inclined, perhaps, to be overly cautious and slow in coming to conclusions. So, senior saints, I join you in that. We, we don't have it all together either, okay? It's often great difficulty for two so wide apart in years as Paul and Timothy, and they were maybe 30 years, maybe 40 years in age, to labor together happily. But where the younger man manifests the spirit that was in Timothy, and the elder seeks only the glory of God and the blessing of his people, such fellowship in service becomes indeed blessed. Wow. Well stated. And in fact, we have seen that right in our midst, and I've been blessed to have been in partnership in ministry for over a year in the assistant pastor search committee uh, role uh, as a ex officio of that committee, there was the older established guard. That, and the deacons, uh, ultimately, after sorting through dozens of names over hun probably hundreds of man hours, not exaggerating, because each deacon was asked to contribute, and, uh, and we discussed that, and then we went back to the drawing board, and at least scores and scores of hours, man hours uh, of work, came to a consensus of who we wanted on the committee. And then that group was brought to the congregation, and you all voted in the exact members that the deacons had proposed, and you could have changed names and, and made uh, different uh, suggestions and all, if you would want to. You saw the wisdom of the deacons. And there was an old guard in that group, consisting of Don Poindexter, Bill Simons, Dave Wallace, and myself. Uh, and as an ex-officio, I wasn't a voting member. And the combined Red Bridge time of those four men exceeds 150 years. <laughs> 150 years those guys have been a part of this church. 
or greater than that. I just, I stopped counting at 150. And then we had the up-and-comers. So it was a Paul and a Timothy kind of a situation. We, uh, we had the up-and-comers with Jacob Claxton, Molly Claxton, brother, brother and sister-in-law, Jessica List, and Hannah Sims. And the excitement and the energy and the know-how-to-do-things and get things done and move in the midst of our culture today and all of that, it simply... I mean, there were a couple of the committee members said, let's not, let's not call anybody, let's keep meeting. <laughs> what? It was so rich with fellowship and purpose driving toward the goal of we're not going to settle, we're going to get God's man, or, or we'll just stay in this position for years if it takes that. It was that kind of a heart. And to see the old guard with the up-and-comers and the merging and the mixing and the blending of that, it, it was as enjoyable a, an experience as I've had in the, in the pastoral ministry, at least as, as enjoyable as anything else. Now, let me give you... Let me give you um, uh, three case studies. That one. I chaired the executive search committee for the Missouri Baptist Convention 10, 11 years ago, 15 years ago, whenever it was. Uh, and we called Dr. John Yates as the executive director. I was chairman of that committee. I chaired the search committee uh, for, the, for Calvary University for the president. Uh, and Dr. Alex Granados was called three, three years ago or so, three or four years ago, however long he's been there. Uh, and I was privileged to chair uh, those two committees and to be an adjunct on this committee. Smashing successes. And I thought, why? Sounds self-serving, doesn't it? One reason. People saying, God, would you do this? Everyone saying, God, would you do this? We don't know anymore how to do this in the man of the moon. You know how long it's been since Redbridge has called a staff member from outside of our church? 39 years. <laughs> it's been 39 years since we hired an employee from outside of our church. And so our committee, um, because folks have prayed and said, God, would you do something that we don't even know how to begin, let alone how to bring it to fruition... We don't, we don't, we just simply don't do this ever. Would you do something that we cannot do? And so, Reverend and Mrs. Scribina, you ready to be partners in ministry with your 98% vote that we just received this morning? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Expect you to join this morning. <laughs> Amen. Timothy, partner in ministry. Secondly, Epaphroditus, sacrificial selflessness. Oh, Paul was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was Jew through and through. Timothy had one Jewish parent, one Gentile parent, hence the need uh, for him to be uh, circumcised once he got uh, into the ministry so as to be able to go to the Jews. They wouldn't have accepted him other than that. Epaphroditus, the best is known, is full Gentile. He was less known, much less known than Timothy. He was 
not who Mark is, not who Garrett will be uh, to me, if we can use that, that uh, dynamic, he would be the one who is serving in extended care now, the, the one who is in the sound booth, the one who is uh, in the parking lot, the one who is working on the committee behind the scenes that few folks see. You see, folks, in the ministry, there's way too much limelight. There's way too much celebrity status in our day for preachers and, 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 and mission. Way too much. I kneel at the foot of the cross at the same level as you do. Baptists are, are Catholics sometimes in our mentality that unless the preacher uh, sprinkles holy water on it, ministry hasn't taken place. <laughs> we are all saints of the Lord if you're saved. And so Epaphroditus was one of those behind the scenes getting the job done. Even though Timothy had the limelight, he wasn't any more valuable, any more important than, than Epaphroditus, though he was better known, much better known. Notice Paul's description in verse 25 of this partner in ministry. Epaphroditus is one of my heroes, has been forever. I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. So Epaphroditus has taken the letter. He is carrying, he's the courier of the letter. And so they, uh, they, uh, he called for him. He came to be with Paul. He's my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger. And he ministered to my need. Epaphroditus brought a love offering from the Philippians to Paul because Paul was in house arrest. He didn't have any money. Rome's not going to pay for his incarceration. He said they didn't give him uh, uh, three hots and a cot. No. He had to get his own food. He had to take care of himself because he's, he's a prisoner. So Epaphroditus brings a love offering from the Philippians to Paul. In the course, maybe in the midst of doing that, maybe once he'd already arrived, it's, it's not known. Seemingly, he was on his deathbed when he arrived. I mean, almost with his dying breath, he hands over the sack of money to Paul. saying, here, this is from the brothers and sisters in Philippi who love you. And he bat drops dead. And Paul commented about it a couple of times. He was almost dead, but he did it for the work of Christ. He was a partner in ministry. And folks, if you have breath left in your lungs and you can do anything at all, then use up those resources, whatever it is, pouring your life out in service to the king of kings. Uh, there's no greater cause. There's no greater calling in all of our existence than that. What a sacrificial selflessness Epaphroditus displayed. Notice in verse 25, he's in the same family. He labors in the same way. He's in, he has the same battles as I have and everybody else has. And he carried this love offering, where? From Philippi to Rome. How far? Over 800 miles. By land, by camel, by boat. Not by plane or train or car. It about killed him to do it. And yet he did it joyfully, willingly. Because he didn't take himself too seriously. Oh, no, no. I'm a church leader in Philippi. The world may not know me like, like they know Paul and Timothy... 
but I've got my place. I've got my seat at the table at Philippi. Now, you get some underling to do this job. Absolutely not. He is a fellow laborer. He's a partner in ministry. So I ask you, with small groups starting up again, and the need for a leader or two or three, the need for a home, a host home, and folks wanting to be involved in that, um, you, gotta, you, have to, you have to step forward. You've got to say, I'll be the one. Or maybe you're not quite at that point, but you want to be in the small group. And you want to have that, uh, that kind of koinonia, that fellowship in the gospel with other saints. You let us know. You let Jordan List know that you want to be a part of that. Committee on Committees is about ready to fire up again. Where's Michael Warkentine? You here? You still chairman of Committee on Committees? First time I talked to Kathy about committee, she didn't come out of a Baptist background. She just started laughing her head off. You mean there's a committee on committees? <laughs> I said, oh, don't worry, it's a Baptist thing. <laughs> she just thought I was, she thought I was kidding. She thought I was pulling her leg. I said, no, there's a committee who forms the committees. We are organized in Baptist life. And that's a good thing. Well, they're going to be forming right away. They're going to be selecting folks for new committees. If you have a, a, a hankering, you know what a hankering is. It's 11.45 at night, and you have to have a pizza, you know? <laughs> you'll, drive down to, uh, you'll drive down to Casey's down in, uh, in Raymore Peculiar, and you live in Liberty, because you have to have that pizza. If you have a hankering to serve in there, let Michael know. Michael, hold your hand up if you would. And if you're in a wanna leader, uh, uh, Tony, to- Tony's back there. He is jumping up and down saying, what about me? What about me? If you have a heart for Awana, Tony's back here. They're forming and leading. What am I saying? That we who know the Lord, we are partners in ministry. I'm not the prima donna. This isn't Vic's church. I'm serving just like you're serving. So serve him with all the vigor and gusto of your soul. <clears throat> it's been said in most churches, 20% of the people are doing 90% of the work not at Redbridge. You wouldn't be here if, if you weren't inclined to, to be used to the Lord. I would say 80% of the people are doing 90% of the work here, but the goal is all of us to play a part. So when you are on the stage and it's your turn to sing, as it were, then bellow it out with all the vigor, all the, the, the humility, the gusto, if you can merge those two, because that is when God is glorified and folks are blessed and the gospel is disseminated. Be a partner in ministry here in our context as Paul was with Timothy.